Welcome back, listeners to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live out of Baxter Boots Studios in downtown Batuta. I'm Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate. And my name is Errol Parker, the editor at large. This week on the show, we are talking to stand-up comedian and aspiring Australian historian Michael Hing. Yes, Hingy. He's an interesting unit with a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. As a fifth-generation Chinese-Australian, Hing has lived and seen many different aspects of the Asian experience in this country. From joining an Asian drug trafficking gang in high school to making a failed attempt at entering the Australian Senate with his very own One Asian Party. And he's here today to tell us all about season two of his documentary series, Where Are You Really From? You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of The Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. He's a stand-up comedian. He hails from the Shire, deep in the Cook electorate, where people are given the promise of Australia and where they have a go and they get a go. He's just come <laughs> off the back of some low-level electoral fraud. And as a stand-up comedian, he's actually now holding the crown jewels of that particular career, which is a cushy job for the public broadcaster. <laughs> the dream. The absolute dream. Michael Hing, thank you for joining us. Okay, mates. How's it going? Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, you've been doing a lot of traveling around the country uh, with your with your current program, and, and we'll get into this. Mm. How does it feel getting into the bush and going and, and seeing the outback, seeing places like Fatuta, um, you know, for a city kid, well, a, a deep <laughs> suburban kid? Well, uh, my family is from places like uh, Lightning Ridge and, and Walgett and, and Thursday Island. So I grew yeah, right. up I grew up, you know, spending a lot of time uh, in... Let's face it, some pretty um, some pretty ratchet places, yeah. and I say that as someone whose grandparents uh, lived there for a long time yeah. and uh, had horrible lives. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, funny fun fact about Lightning Ridge: three thousand, I think, two to three thousand people on the census. Yeah, nine thousand people picking up their post from Mate, the post office. Let me tell you, it is a place where people go to fucking get away from it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by it all, I mean I don't know an ex partner, yeah. <laughs> a, a messy divorce, a the murder law. trial, you know? <laughs> yeah. and they also go there to find opals, which is of course a very honest trade. <laughs> no one's ever been scammed in the opal mines. <laughs> no one. <laughs> no, and you can live underground, and they do. <laughs> the, the most recent time I went out, back out to uh, the to Lightning Ridge. I don't know my cousins who live out there very well. They're like it's like four generations back mm. now that the family left there to go to Walgett. Mm. So they're pretty distant cousins. One of them asked me if I like basically I met up with him. He's like four or five years younger than me. This is probably two or three years ago, and he asked me if I could help him score some meth in uh, some Sydney meth. And I was like, oh man, you're asking the wrong dude. I can't help you. I really it can't help you. It wouldn't be that hard. I mean, you just have to ask your weed dealer. It's like, <laughs> look, I know that you'd probably know someone, but can you? It's have, always, you, have you got another mate? <laughs> Can you get me some shard? <laughs> it's always that question of like how many how many questions are you away from being from having access to a firearm? I mean, I imagine you yeah. guys probably one or two, but for me it'd be probably like I think it'd be like three or four people. You know well, what I mean? We, you you have a storied history in the <laughs> Sydney criminal underworld. <laughs> uh, we did our research on you, Hing. What happened there? Growing up in Sydney, you kind of uh, uh, got into uh, what was it? I, I was well. It, it, I know looking at three teams. Yeah. Uh, well, it was it was. It was it was the four aces game, oh, right. but it was a it was a look as a as a kid. I was uh, I got you know, and I think getting getting caught up in the wrong crowd is like quite a um a trope, but yeah. also it is what happened. Yeah. You know, I've I've always been this nerdy. I've always been this weird and dweeby. Mm. But for a while, I was uh, I did have some friends who were um, in a gang, and as a result, I was also in a in an Asian criminal gang, <laughs> which is not. Now that I think back, it's so. 
like hearing these words come out of my mouth now, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It is genuinely unbelievable. But it's like when you go to school and you just like are friends with kids due to some sort of like ethnic <laughs> like mm. friendship. Yeah, yeah. It's not actually out of any interest or any any mutual shared interest in Pokemon or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the result was that I um for a while um. Did some drug work. <laughs> you were employed in the drug trade. Yes, but not not international. Nothing across borders. Yeah, yeah, to be yeah. clear, we, 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 within Sydney, and also okay. I imagine the statute of limit, limitations on these things has expired now. So yeah. I'm fine. Was there like an initiation process you had to go through? I mean, did you like, have to get jumped? Did you have to like? No. Al- to- although I will say that like getting out was much scarier because a, a, another friend of mine, his older brother got out to go away to go to uni. He got pretty badly beaten. But I think they sensed a real um, weakness in me that I would not um, survive. Cut him loose. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, you know what? You're probably doing more harm <laughs> than good being part of our group. <laughs> so where was this? This was in the Shire? No, no. This was in. Uh, this was sort of around Ashfield, Strathfield kind of area in Sydney. Okay. Um, and then obviously in Chinatown and uh, out in Cabramatta as well. But um, predominantly Ashfield, Strathfield kind of area. Yeah. Now, um, your family, Chinese background, have been uh, in Australia for over 100 years. Yes. What's it like being a weary Chinese Australian when hanging out with, like, you know, first-gen kind of Chinese kids? Uh, let me tell you, there is no one more racist than a, a sort of a 70-year-old Chinese Australian person talking about mainland Chinese people. My goodness, they have absolutely no time for these, uh, for, for these what they describe as uh, mainlanders yeah. um, in the most derisive term possible. Um, th- there's kind of a trope now of the Chinese fuckboy. They sort of wear, supreme, wear a lot of Supreme T-shirts, uh, dress in a lot of Louis Vuitton, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The most racist I get is, you know, dealing with that <laughs> that kind of guy in front of me in a line and a thing, which is, I mean, I, I recognise that's not a great thought process, but that's who I am. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, it's, it's not self-deprecating because they're mainlanders, Exactly, right? exactly, yeah. right? So it, it, is, it is certainly it's not okay. It's just full-blown racism. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not okay. But I guess the, the big thing for me is like, because a, a while back there was this, I was thinking about trying to buy a property, which was which was a foolish thing to begin with. <laughs> and to be clear, I've not bought a property, and I will never buy a property because I can't afford it. But it's on the t- way back down now, though. So <laughs> yeah, it's fine, so yeah. maybe maybe bring on the crash, everybody. Yeah, I remember going to a couple of auctions and just seeing the amount of like China, mainland Chinese buyers at these auctions this is like probably eighteen months ago, and being like, "Well, this country's gone to the dogs, hasn't it? This is what's happened." And then like. You know, having to talk myself down off that very racist ledge. <laughs> you know. Do you have any language skills, Chinese-wise? Oh, minimal. I went to Chinese school as a kid and, yeah, uh, uh, yeah not heaps in that way. I, uh, oh, I, a funny story about that. I, uh, in year seven, I did Mandarin in high school. I got, <laughs> I got put into the, the native speakers class <laughs> oh, right. because they were like, ah, oh, Hing, he'll, he'll, he'll have a crack. If anyone in my family does speak Chinese, it's they speak Cantonese, but this was Mandarin, yeah. so like there's yeah. basically no crossover. Yeah, just it, I spent six months in this class, like which was taught in Mandarin, and me being like, I got nothing, dudes, I got no idea. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> uh, do you have any grandparents that aren't Chinese? No, I, so it's all all Chinese. Well, hundred years. I did a DNA test a couple a while back. <laughs> my parents bought it for me, mm. which is weird for so many reasons. Yeah. Like they should. They should know. <laughs> so well, they, they uh, we, we did a DNA. I did a DNA test, and I'd never met any like white or European ancestors. But I'm ninety six percent Chinese or something, and there's like four percent of Irish German descent in me, right. which I think is my 
like great great grandparents generation. Macau. And when you look at yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you look at when you look at those photos, there's like clearly there's like oh, it's like black and white photos are like and blurry photos. It's like hard to tell, but like you can guess that my like grandfather's grandmother might have been German or something, but yeah. she's still dressed in like Chinese gear because yeah. it's like you know it's like the 1910s in Sydney yeah, or whatever yeah. you know. And that, they were post Gold Rush. A lot of these. Yeah, yeah. So, so my family came to Australia pre Gold Rush. Pre. I think. Well, portions of my family did, and then yeah. left Sydney to go to the Gold Rush. Yeah. In that's my mum's, my mum's dad's side. My mum's mum's side, the sort of Walgett Lightning Ridge folk. They um they came in about like the. 1900s kind of thing, and For then my the Opal Rush, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my dad's family is mostly from uh, like uh, Thurs Island up north mm-hmm. in far north Queensland, uh, yeah, and they le- they left there during the war because they thought the Japanese were going to bomb them, mm-hmm. so they- they've got nice. no gold rush links, yeah, yeah. reasonable fear uh, living in the <laughs> tropical north, yeah, 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 especially around that time, yeah. <laughs> this kind of all plays into this new program you're a part of on the SBS, which is where are you really from, yeah. Which obviously is a question you've been asked. Um, and you play in, you play into that in in, in the program, but pe- people do say. I mean, at the at the top of the show, you just said, "Well, Lightning Ridge, Walgett, Thursday Island," and the pro. I guess the premise is you go into all these different ethnic, regional ethnic enclaves around yeah. around the country, which we actually do know exists when you really think about it. Yeah, uh, like the Chinese in Bendigo, yeah. or um, in the first series, in the, f- the first season, we we went to a group in. Um, well, Gulga on the north coast of New South Wales, yeah. uh, and there's a huge uh, Punjabi Indian Sikh uh, mm. population there, and they've been there for like I think 130 years or something like yeah. that. And um, you think of yourself like, oh, I grew, I grew up basically in Sydney. I'm yeah. a cosmopolitan guy. This isn't gonna this isn't gonna phase me. And then you get there, and it's like these dudes with like huge beards and turbans surfing, and yeah. you're like, I haven't yeah. seen that before. That yeah. is an interesting thing to look at. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that person and these people's stories are like really interesting yeah. and like. Yeah, it's just, it's just like like you were talking about getting getting out of Sydney and stuff. It's like it's just these stories and things you don't you don't know about. Mm. Like in the second series, which is just about to come out, June nineteen on SBS, huh? Um, we do like we went to the Barossa Valley and yeah. we talked to like German migrants there yeah. from a hundred years ago. Did you know Australia had its own yeah. German yeah, language? Yeah, yeah. Like that, I had no idea about that. Yeah, almost like our own Afrikaans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like in America they've got Pennsylvania Dutch or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah with the uh, Amish. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, there's like a whole like Australian. They call it Borussia Deutsch. There's yeah. like a whole Australian version of ge- the German language that was spoken. And is like, that is that still anywhere? Is there old, some old yeah. Omas and Opas yeah. still using that? A little bit here and there. Uh, some kids grew up. Some people who are still alive grew up with that as their first language. Right. And there are like language classes Christ. now there's sort of a language revival thing going on where people are speaking yeah. german and also as an offshoot of that the, the Borussia deutsch as yeah. well yeah but it's it's been studied a little bit uh yeah, yeah. Where, where else are you going on the second so sorry so the first season was the was, sikhs up in uh yeah, wugulga yeah. uh, whoopee for, yeah. for anyone uh, <laughs> yes uh, a beautiful town that's recently been destroyed by the bypass uh yeah pacific bypass yes. only cl- class traders use the bypass by the way go into town <laughs> buy a sandwich from these people yeah uh, stop at the servo in yeah, town yeah yeah they've got a kfc with 40 car parks come on <laughs> and uh, uh we went to bendigo in in victoria for, yeah. for the for, to meet those chinese people there who have the longest like ceremonial imperial like dragon in the yeah. world like this okay. huge cool easter parade dragon thing they've got 
I wonder where they keep that in the off season. No, it's a museum. They oh, have a right. museum just for the dragon. Oh, it's a whole yeah, but the off season. Yeah, because <laughs> they bring it out for Easter, and then it's like three hundred days, three hundred and thirty days of the year. It's like, yeah. what's it doing? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's in a museum. It's in a, it's in a That's museum. Nice. But it's quite funny when they have to bring it out because it's so long. The museum has to be custom built in like a spiral. Yeah. So when they take it out, it's like um. Okay, it's like trying to put toothpaste back in a tube. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just you've got to like edge it back in. Like you've got to yeah. so you've got to watch like three hundred people sort of back her, like I'm back sure in your truck. But it's a dragon. If, I'm sure it's easy if you know how. <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah, it's a Good skill. Heavy rigid dragon license. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and we went to the uh, we went to Toowoomba as well to talk to the South Sudanese population there. Yeah. I think a lot of like city folk would think of Toowoomba as being like this redneck racist place because mm. it's like. Country Queensland or whatever. The Garden City. Yeah. yeah. It's, but, uh, it's heaven on earth. Yeah. Well, also just like the fact that there is a thriving South Sudanese population yeah. there that is at odds with the media narrative of like oh. the, you know, the rest oh, of Australia. Sudanese are only in Blacktown and, yeah. and, and Melbourne, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's where it is, right? Yeah. Like, well, that's where they first kind of landed that, that wave of migration. And um, I think you'll find there's a lot of Sudanese uh, community members that have a lot of love for John Howard, ironically. Yeah. Because that was when they came in. You <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> yeah. It's like, a, like, I love this liberal government. Like, I, man, I got some news yeah. about this liberal government. How do I feel like you, dude? <laughs> um, it's not Howard's party anymore, man. <laughs> so, and then for the second series, and we went to Ingham in far north Queensland to talk to the Italians there, the yeah. cane cutters. We went to the Barossa to talk to the Germans, as I said. Uh, we went to a town called Catanning in WA, which is like a sheep and wheat town, maybe three or four, I think it's three and a half, four hours out of Perth. And kind of an interesting thing about them is like a third of the population there are um, Malay Muslims from like the Christmas and Cocos Islands who yeah. came across to work in the abattoir like in the 70s and 60s and 70s, 80s. They built a mosque there a couple of decades ago, kind of before this like broad panic about Muslims had yeah. occurred in the West. And so there's just like this tiny country town with this like huge mosque oh, that's right. like quite cool. It's not even like one of those kind of corrugated iron mosques like Broken Hill. It's an actual <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's an, like they built a yeah. kind of temple. Like a full like a full <laughs> a full sick building, right? And um again, people who've never been to these places or been to places like this wouldn't necessarily think this about these places, you know. So it's cool that this town at Corkentanning has now like something like forty three different nationalities there and they speak like 28 different languages or something. It's, it's, it's like the stats are crazy and the town's only of like you know 6,000 people like it's it's, 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 very, it's very few people and then the fourth place we went to Western Sydney there's a there's a huge Assyrian population yeah. in uh, in Fairfield that we want to talk about because Fairfield has taken in like more refugees and migrants than basically any other place in in, in any other local government area yeah you know I think in the current way we talk about asylum seekers and stuff it was just Interesting to hear what a lot of these people who have come here think and also the struggles that these communities deal with because, like, having an influx of people is an infrastructure problem that needs to be um, addressed. Particularly in Australia where uh, we have a habit of bringing, like, you know, migrants from, uh, from, from certain countries but from both sides of the war in that country and putting them in the same suburb. Yeah. It's happened time and time again. The Vietnamese, the Lebanese, yeah. it's just like, didn't we like migrate away from this particular community? Why are we living next door to them? Guys, we had to... I mean, a lot of the uh, the South Sudanese who we spoke to in Toowoomba talk about that as well, because like that's a war that's been raging on for decades. Mm. And they're like, yeah, people talk about us as Sudanese. It's like, nah, we... We left Sudan. Yeah. <laughs> it's made our own country yeah. and that deflates yeah. of the war, you know. But yeah, yeah the, the migration patterns of Australia's long term policies are um they are baffling. Yeah, they yeah. are off the off back, yeah. Yeah. In your research, did you find anything that was so completely out of the ordinary? 
that are just um, I mean, blew you away. Aside from the Malay Muslims <laughs> in the middle of Western, <laughs> Western Australia. I guess a lot of people would know about this, but I didn't know about this. I didn't know about all the Nazis in Australia. Did you know about the Nazis in Australia? No. There's a lot of Nazis in Australia during the... Uh, I mean, well, s- we see them at the rallies. We praise around <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so back in like the what? 30s and oh, 40s. Oh, so like real Nazis. Yeah, back in oh, the 30s right. and 40s. There, were yeah, like, yeah. there was like an Australian Nazi party. There was like... Before Australia like really got it, got into the war, mm. there were um, a, a very very small minority of I'm talking like dozens like dozens of people, not like hundreds of uh, German identifying people in Australia who had a lot of Nazi sympathies because you know that's like I guess the thing they missed from home and didn't yeah. realize that well, I don't know like the complex the complex nature of what also because they're just hateful Nazis I guess as well yeah. right but like <laughs> the complex nature of what was going on I don't yeah. know I don't know these people but there's like pictures from like Adelaide and stuff of like the Nazi flag hanging next to the Australian flag at a Boy Scout yeah. meeting. Yeah, like yeah, right. the, the, well, one of the things I saw was um, just a Nazi flag hanging on a gum tree. That's like, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Invokes a feeling of uh, yeah. <laughs> some sort of confused nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. So that was probably the, that was probably the, that is weird. The weirdest thing that, I mean, but obviously it makes sense because it's like, you know, the world was that way in that time. Mm. But uh, that was pretty full on. Yeah. And you couldn't get cancelled because yeah. I didn't have Twitter. <laughs> I've unnoticed these tweets by this Nazi and he said some really racist things seven years ago. Uh, I think in the Second World War, the first clash that Australia had with another country in that war was the Germans in New Guinea. Really? I think yeah. England was like, all right, can you go up there and can, sort you, out. can you get rid of those... Tropical Nazis, <laughs> and then when you're done with that, can you come over to North Af- Africa and get rid of the desert Nazis? Though. Yeah, the desert Nazis, and then it's like, oh, you've got to go and get rid of the the Japanese from Papua New Guinea now. Yeah, but back to PNG. Yeah, and the other thing I didn't know heaps about was the internment that uh, a lot of Italian yeah. people went through in the Second World War. I didn't realize how sweeping it was mm. like they just the, the state cops in in, um, in Queensland just went through towns and just were like all right you're an Italian man age between like 18 and 60 get in the get in the van you're going to a camp yeah and it's just on the fact that their last name ends in a in a vowel. An o or an yeah, i or yeah, something yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that was wild because you know there, there's obviously there's been a lot of Italian names like prominent Italian names for many years in Australia so you know Italians were actually part of the national yeah. identity but yeah. just not for those couple of years yeah and it's like the hurt that is felt intergenerationally from that like yeah. the talking to young people who are the grandkids of those people who are interned or mm. you know who are you know getting on who are in their middle age now but like we're, we're talking about like how they don't trust they don't trust the cops still yeah. because they, they, they their earliest memories of the cops yeah. are them like hauling away their parents and yeah, stuff yeah, and it's yeah. like yeah I wouldn't I'd have issues with the cops as yeah. well. You know? Authority. Yeah. Oh, well, then you yeah. look at Ron Barassi was a famous kind of AFL family. Uh, there was Ron Barassi and Ron Barassi Jr. And th- around that time, you know what I mean? Like mm, one of the yeah. most prominent AFL players had an Italian name. People just ignored that <laughs> guy. And then it was more about the small town, the cane cutters. And actually, it's funny how you're saying about the Nazis because I know in North Queensland, post-election where everyone was like, oh, no, it's so surprising that the coalition won all these swing seats down um, in the Whit Sunday booths and all that kind of stuff, because back in the day, that was the only part of Australia that ever elected a member of the Communist Party to uh, really. It was a state government, and it yeah. was all the Italians post post internment, <laughs> and also because they were on like those kind of uh, indentured wages, similar yeah. to the because they were you know not exactly white at that yeah. time, and so like that's gone a full turnaround from there. Wow. You know, and they're like that is actually a turnaround where we actually had 
communists living up in North Queensland and now they're like, yeah, George Christensen seems like my guy. <laughs> Did you so you didn't get to Broome? Uh, Little no. Japan? I think I think I think Broome will be uh look, if if if, if SBS somehow managed, finds money in this uh, current political climate to fund a third season, yep. Broome's on the cards. There's like loads of places I want to go. Yep. Have you heard about the um the Australian migrated population in South America? Yeah, what's yeah. that? What's that country um, called? In Paraguay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a there's a Paraguayan Australian enclave there. I would love to go and do do, yeah. do a story about that. Like that that that's that's a that that'd be the that'll be like the series finale. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, like, yeah. Finally well, wrap this thing up. You might have to go with a uh, commercial network. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to that one there. You know, there's only so much. A certain type of distance that public money can get, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. I think they'll get me to New Zealand. I can get a boat from there. <laughs> yeah, especially now that you know uh, the ABC and the SBS have had their coffers gouged out again by the government. So I guess, uh, you know. yeah. I mean, but look, fund- funding my trip to Paraguay may not have been the best use of taxpayer funds. I'm willing to admit it. I'm willing to say it right now. Flying me to South America, maybe, may- maybe, maybe you should have spent that money on the well, Secretary Report. What, what, what yeah. is that? What is that enclave called over there? Because I remember there's videos you can find of it, mm. and they, their accent is almost like trapped in time. Oh. It's called New Australia, actually. Yeah. We've just been handed the phone. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, New Australia was a utopian socialist settlement. It's in also Paraguay. a white supremacist thing as well. No, no oh, wonder right. it failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> utopian socialists <laughs> who all have to be white. Uh, okay, fucking inbred. <laughs> <laughs> the blind leading the blind in Paraguay. Like, uh, like a damper, like celebratory oh, damper right. and stuff, and they sing like you know, Balting Matilda and like. Like old campfire songs yeah, and right. like banjo pass and stuff or whatever. It's like it's real strange that that's happening in Paraguay, <laughs> especially considering it happened like when Australia was so infantile. They're like, all right, we've got enough of a culture to export. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, li- I literally think it was people like leaving because it- it's like the Lightning Ridge, right? Yeah. Of South America, they're just like, yeah. I don't want to be found. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Paraguay. Paraguay. We at the Batuta Advocate are proud to announce the good people at Baxter Footwear have signed on as the new sponsors for the Desert Rock FM studios. Baxter is a fifth-generation Australian-owned business which has been hand-making boots and shoes since 1850. Much longer than the other brand of footwear made famous by the young liberals. So thank you, Baxter. Now back to the show. Tell us what else you kind of found. Like The North Queensland Italians in Ingham, a lot of them kind of ended up in Townsville, the North Queensland Cowboys, you look in the honour roll, you know. A lot of Italian names. Yeah, a lot of Italian names up there. And, and of course, now in the Catter Party, there's a couple of those descendants. Uh, Nick Demetto, MP for uh, Ingham, I believe. Yeah, no, he's, he's yeah. around there. He uh, yeah. he, sell, he he works with jet skis, I believe. Yeah, jet he's ski got, retailer. He's got a great... Uh, that's got, very uh, on brand for him, isn't it? That's a North Queensland <laughs> yeah. dream. Yeah. He's got <laughs> a... Jet ski hire. I think, if I'm thinking of the right guy, I think I met him at a, I met him at a thing at... um. More up there, and he showed me his Instagram, and I think he's a kind of a ripped dude who posts yeah. a lot of gym selfies, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's the kind of thing. He's the yeah. new gen for the cat party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he he <laughs> All right, we got Nick Demetto on here. All right, <laughs> real friendly guy. Um, the f- kind of funny, cool thing about Ingham was, I think of Italian, my Italian friends. I think of the, the Italianness as being like a really strong cultural thing like Italians are like so proud of being Italian right mm. but nothing no culture is stronger than country Queensland right yeah. so like let me explain this little thing we, we went to watch this like there was like this kind of like ballet that the town was happening in the town so we went to watch that and it's just like beautiful Italian ballet there's like opera being sung and again as like a weird discord the guy next to me was like 
in a fucking bintang singlet drinking a Bundy and Coke and be like, fucking sick, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course this is like melting perfectly and yeah, everyone's yeah. happy and it's cool. <laughs> and the rest of the country thinks those people are rednecks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and watching a ballet, oh, it's fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've, I haven't been to the ballet in years. You know? <laughs> Getting that, uh, that lemon cello alcopop. <laughs> oh, can I tell you about this, uh, <laughs> this crime as an authentic uh, Italian cocktail I had in, uh, in Ingham? Uh, it was uh, Amaretto. Uh, like a sort of a bitters, like a, I don't know, like an Angostura or something. I don't know, like yeah. a bitters. And that was like maybe a third of the glass and the rest of the glass was just Forex gold. That's, oh, right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this rules, dude. This rules. Oh, that's the, that's the North Queensland. But that'd be uh, kind of nice. Yeah, it was good. Actually, yeah. It was good. It was like a... Hydrating too. Yeah, it yeah. was very chilled. It was, it was, it was, they had ice in it as well. So it was like a weird yeah. iced beer. Anyway, yeah, it was cool. Can you um, now talk us through uh, another side project you're working on, which was low-level uh, electoral fraud, <laughs> uh, which you ended up getting a phone call. You're in trouble with the law again, Hing, God yes. damn it! So this was my ill-fated run for the Senate in the recent election, where I thought it would be funny to try and become a senator because, you know, even though they changed a few of the laws regarding um, how the, the preference deals work and stuff, I, I thought, like, look, I have a shot at this. Why not? And so we made a couple of little stupid videos, thinking that nothing would come of it. We'd just, I'd, I'd run and whatever. What um, was your party called? Uh, it was the One Asian Party, um, which we, we, we started because, do you remember when that NRA scandal happened a couple of months ago yep. with, with One Nation? Yeah. Well, I was pitching sketches at work and I thought, I was like, oh, let's just do a fun parody of that. And I thought of this idea of um, just that pun came into my brain. And then we couldn't find a way to make it work with the NRA thing because it was like too many layers. It's like, are you making fun of guns? Are you making fun of the corruption of that? Are you making fun of... And so we just kind of sat on it. And then a couple of weeks later, we thought, oh, why don't we just see if we can make a campaign video for me to run for Senate as like, just as a stupid joke, whatever. Off the back of that, a friend of mine was like, oh, I'll make a website for you about that. Like, that seems pretty funny. And then we put the video out thinking, oh, this won't go anywhere. But then 40 minutes after we put the video out, it happened to be the same day that Scott Morrison called the election. All right. And so just in the media coverage that day, when journalists who are, as you all know, hungry to literally talk about anything that is at all interesting, they would do like, I don't know, half a dozen papers or whatever, wrote up these things of the election, then kind of mentioned this like weird comedian who was running with this like stupid one Asian party thing. And so it just- so It was a one man party. Yes, which is... One Asian party. One, yes. one Asian man party. I was the only member of it. And what were the policies? Well, I didn't have any, because uh, I'm an idiot, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really think anything through. Uh, so I said, I said on the, in the video, I was like, ah, just ask me what you want, I'll do anything. What do you yeah. want? Like, I don't know. Oh, so it was crowd-funded, Cra- crowd-sourced. Kind of crowd-sourced. Crowd-sourced policies. Any, did you get any good ones? We had over... I think we had, in the end, over 2,000 people got in t- contact with us, and maybe... Half of them were like, legalize weed. And another guy was like, uh, make Goslame the, um, or Goslini or whatever, the national food of Australia. I'm like, yeah, that rules. Everyone loves Goslame. <laughs> but then, like, half of them were like serious things. Like, people were like terrified about climate change and like, hey, we need to fix the Great Barrier Reef and all, like, all that kind of like, And people were just sending earnest policies to me. I felt so bad about that because I'm like, guys, I'm an idiot. Like, thank you so much for doing this, but I'm a moron. <laughs> yeah. And so that kind of got out of hand because then. As the like, you know what a media storm's like, it just sort of like spirals in on itself. So like the project then called, which I've never done the project before, and they were like, "Oh, you want to come on?" I was like, "Yes, I would love to go on the project yeah, to talk yeah. about this stupid prank." Yeah, you know, I did like a bunch of other media, and then it got to the point where we had to actually register the 
thing with the AEC. And to do that, I don't know if you've ever received a, a, a candidacy before. You've got to hand, you've got to go into the AEC with money. You've got to give them two thousand yeah. dollars and stuff. And you've got to get five hundred or so. It's a hundred people to. 100 that, 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 I mean, yeah. getting a hundred people to sign a thing yeah. is fine. Registering a party is five hundred people. That was harder because they'd already called the election, so we couldn't register me as a party. Yeah. But um, getting the signatures was fine. Doing all paperwork was fine. And then uh, when we talked to the AEC, they were like, yeah, there are so many reasons why you can't do this. So then we went back and forth with them for a couple of weeks trying to get it sorted. Um, but in the- At this stage, did you feel like a real kind of uh, second wind of kind of actual political ambition? I was like, as soon as, you know what it's like, as soon as someone tells you you can't do something, that yeah. really, like, really that hardens my resolve. Yeah. I'm like, no, fuck you, I can do this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the worst reason to ever run for politics is spite. But <laughs> just despite the AEC, I, so we kept, we kept trying- and eventually, what it came down to was the there's, a, there's in the section forty four of the constitution where it says these are the reasons you can or cannot run because of the whole um, debacle that's been happening the last couple of years. They make you pre fill those el- eligibility things, yeah, and they are things like you can't be a dual citizen or you can't have another nationality or another citizenship. You can't be bankrupt. And then one of them, oh, you can't be treasonous, is the thing they say. Yeah. <laughs> no treasonous senators. Damn. Yeah. Not a bastard pass that. And then one of them was, uh, you, can't, you can't have an office of profit under the crown. And right. so the argument was, because I work at SBS, I can't, you know. That was what they got you on. Well, that was what they said. And yeah. I, yeah. So that's I spoke what, That's to, what they picked. So I, yeah. <laughs> so I spoke to a lawyer about this, and they were like, look, I reckon you've actually got a pretty good argument about this, because an office... It's technical legal bullshit, but like the, an office would have to exist without the person who holds it. Yeah. So, like a treasurer is an office because every organi- like this organization would have yeah. a treasurer whether you're there or not, right? There is no like office of like satirist at the feet or some yeah. shit. Like that's yeah. not a you know that that's not a thing. So they were like, I think you've got a pretty good argument with that. So we said that to the AC, and they were like, Yeah. But the other problem is you've been playing some of these segments on uh, government television. And yeah. I was like, Yes, we have. And they're like, Yeah, that's definitely illegal. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's fair enough. <laughs> Oh, right. So, so, so that was the thing that really put the nail on the coffin. Well, yeah. there has been like a bit of a track record around the world. I mean, there's the five star sort of movement in Italy. Italy yeah. Uh, and there's uh, the president of Ukraine now yeah. is a comedian. Yeah. He's who- like, fuck, I'm going to have to dissolve the parliament now. Yeah. Well, because he. Um- so he was a guy who played the president on yeah. TV for many years, and then yeah, just got that, elected. I, I tried to read that article. That got very meta. So yeah, he he this guy played a character who yeah. was a school teacher who who was, then gave an impassioned speech and then became president off the back of that in the sitcom. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, and then the actor, not the character, yeah. decided to try and play that out, a version of that out in real life, and he ran for president. You know, using a lot of the rhetoric and stuff that yeah. his character had used on the show. And won. And won. And won, yeah. <laughs> now, he is the president of the Ukraine, so this actor, and he's fucking anti-Putin. Yeah. Oh, and right. This will get interesting. you've got this actor, right, who's gone from being on, like, a small TV show in the Ukraine to now being like, I'm going to stand up to Putin. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's not, like, it's the most surrealist fucking... <laughs> Twilight Zone shit. I mean, like, there is absolutely no way that this guy is capable of handling Putin no. at all. No. Well, he's a sitcom on, actor on any level. <laughs> it's more just like, just you know, the the. I mean, I don't know a lot about um, you know Russian Ukrainian politics, but I imagine that the uh, the arm of the Russian state is probably deep yeah. <laughs> into Ukraine at this point, yeah, yeah. and yeah. their influences are is is held throughout. But yeah, you're right. He just dissolved the parliament to yeah. like run. Uh, parliamentary elections as yeah, well. Yeah, really? like, yeah. I'm sick of all the corruption. It's like, well, 
You're in Zach the everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's actually not that far off a reality TV star becoming the president. You know, in America, yes. kind of anything can happen. Darren Hinch getting into the Senate. Well, he's out of the Senate. He's now, out of the Senate. Now. Well, <laughs> yeah, they, cha- they changed those them. rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the, the the other thing that happened was uh, people were worried that I was accepting donations and that this was like a get rich quick scheme <laughs> for me. People offered to donate, donate me money, but like I didn't. I just. It's not like I had a moral reason to not accept. I just didn't have the technical ability to. Like yeah. I wasn't trying to do it in the legality, so we didn't take any. But then, like, yeah, there was a lot of officials who were, um, yeah, asking me a lot of questions about that. So. It got pretty. So you got a phone call from from well, look from I, the pigs. So, yeah, from the, pig, <laughs> the so, someone pigs. Someone claiming to the AFP at yeah, least, yeah. Uh, saying, uh, asking me about donations not accepted and stuff, and like, you know, you always think to yourself, like, I'm gonna stand up to these people. As soon as the cops call me, and then I immediately crumbled and was like, yes sir, no sir, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in trouble. That's why the Ashfield criminal gang cut you loose. Yeah, he's like, he needs a squealer. He's an absolute squealer. <laughs> Sings like Sinatra. <laughs> Did you get any like like anti one Asian party stuff on WeChat? Uh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to register WeChat because I'm not a Chinese citizen, <laughs> and I, I don't have a Chinese citizen to do it like the uh, like the major parties do. Yeah, um, I will say that it's weird. The most uh, vitriolic stuff I got, I thought I thought maybe like the alt right and whatnot would come out against me. They didn't care, <laughs> like, but it was like a lot of the a lot of the lefties were the ones who really. Uh, who really got got annoyed at me. I got an email from a guy from the Socialist Alliance being like, mate, you've not got a chance, so just redirect all your preferences to the Socialist Alliance. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I got some news for you, buddy. Uh, the Socialist Alliance and I have the same amount of senators in the Australian Senate. <laughs> you got no chance. How good is that for negotiating? Yeah. You have no chance. Just give me your preferences. Yeah. It's all good. And then, and then like, the other thing I had was uh, there was a... a a couple of green staffers got in contact with me. Not actual politicians, but some green staffers got in contact with me and were like, um, you running this campaign will hurt the chances of Maureen Faruqi getting re-elected in New South Wales. And they were like, and she's the only like South Asian or the only Asian member of like New South Wales like, Senate or whatever. Like, so you need to think about what you're doing. I'm like, that's not my fault. <laughs> like, I, I, if anything, I if I get in and she does it, that's not like, that's not a, that's, that's not a loss for d- diversity in the Senate. <laughs> Oh, oh, I, anyway, love, she did I, I would anyway. have loved to have seen those uh, white guys telling you to think about Asian people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, now, tell us a little bit about Stormy Daniels. Uh, well, uh, are you guys familiar with the, uh, the app Cameo, where uh, celebrities will say hello to you for money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the uh, there, no. W- there was one about George Pelham. Yeah, Flavor Flav. Flav. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they stitched up. Flavor Flav, yeah. just for the goes out listener. of my man, George Powell. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just stay strong, man. <laughs> uh, so there's an there's an app called Cameo where they will where, where celebrities will do shout outs to like you know happy birthday to Sam or whatever or you know congratulations on your retirement, Alex or whatever. And it's you know costs up to a thousand dollars for like real top tier celebrities. And I went through that thing like, oh man, it'd be good to get some funny celebrity endorsements. <laughs> and the the best, the I sent out maybe like twenty asking people to do it. And the only one that was that came back that was real good was uh, the only one that who came back and said, yeah, I'll do this was Stormy Daniels. All right, it was two hundred fifty bucks, so it's not Trump, cheap. Trump's mistress. Yes, exactly. The the <laughs> the, uh, the adult film star who had an affair with um, Donald Trump for 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 many years or oh, for many years, many months. I don't know. Exactly. For many dollars. Yeah, for many dollars, and there was paid <laughs> hush money by Donald Trump to uh, to keep quiet about it, and then again, just just spilt all the beans. Yeah. Um, 
And so she came out instantly. It's like this like fifteen second thing where she told me to keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> and so, like, which <laughs> is quite cool. But what was quite funny about that is afterwards the cameo people got in, like the people who run the app got in touch with me and were like, "Oh, we're trying to sign people up in Australia to be like celebrities on Cameo. You should, you should totally sign up." And I was like, "I don't think anyone's gonna want this." <laughs> but then I thought, you know what? Even on the off chance that like one person wants this, it's an easy way to make some money. So I was like, Stormy Daniels charges what like. Uh, 250 bucks like yeah. so I don't know what, what what's what's a shout out from Michael Hingworth maybe like 50 bucks and the lady was like um I think you're probably overpricing it a bit um <laughs> I think like seven to ten dollars I'm like oh this I don't know if this is really worth my time <laughs> put my name to this yeah. <laughs> that's how much that's how much my soul is worth seven to ten dollars in the internet marketplace <laughs> That just sounds like it wasn't worth the email. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> from, from her end, particularly. Yeah. <laughs> now, tell us, you're on the other guy. What else have you got coming up? Have you got a tour coming up? I'm, I'm sort of writing a new, an hour now that I'll tour next year, so 2020. So, the, the, the I'll do all the comedy festivals, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane uh, in 2020. Yeah, right now I'm just working on stuff. The other, yeah, other guy season two is going to come out yeah. on Stan. Um, if you don't want to pay for it. Just um, hit me up. I'll send you my details. You can yeah. log in with mine. Yeah. <laughs> just, still counts as numbers. Still yeah, counts think, as streams. I think the login is just like, I think it might be like uh, michael.hing at stan or something. It's the okay. login. I can't remember. Anyway, right, uh, feel free to hit me up with that. That's how we're going to promo this podcast. <laughs> Michael Hing shares his stan account details. <laughs> his login. On the off chance you wanted to watch... Paperback Hero yeah. <laughs> with Hugh Jackman and Claudia Carvin. If you want to watch the uh, 21 films leading up to the Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep up with that. Um, but yeah, the, the big thing I, I work on week to week is the show called The Feed uh, on SBS. Viceland, um, that's, like the, that's like the thing that basically all of my energy goes into when I'm not making um, regional documentaries about multiculturalism. <laughs> Well, we look forward to season two. What, what was the, what was the release of that? Uh, so, uh, season two of Where Are You Really From comes out. Yeah, June nineteenth. It's a Wednesday evening, eight thirty on SBS. Please, uh, please watch that because uh, sweet mercy, I want to go to Paraguay, and yeah. <laughs> we need season third season three. to do that. Yes. And if you have a community that you think might be. Uh, interestingly multicultural please send through uh, a DM to Michael Heng yeah hit me up on Instagram and uh, maybe I'll I'll come to your town and um, ask you about your personal family stories and make your parents cry or something in an emotional television interview Uh, there is an interesting ethnic enclave in western Victoria Mm. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of it cool it's called Nahil Uh in regional Victoria and it has a lot of Karen refugees so the Korean the, the the Korean people yeah um, they Korean, are what Korean. Korean they are one of the they are one of the forty three ethnic groups living in Katanning right and they are a uh, Christian minority group from uh, former Burma now known as Myanmar but they but the people the Koreans still call it refer to it as Burma yeah because they were because they were Christian they really got along with the British when yeah. the British were there and so they got real cozy with them and so when the revolution happened a lot of the non-Christian non-British people saw them as like you know being allied to the Brits and whatnot yeah, and so right. that's that that was one of the um angles of the ethnic tension and the and whatnot right right so, so they, they were so they're persecuted. not ju- they're not just in uh I'm going to get in trouble for this, but it's the town's pretty hard to say. Nahil, yeah. Victoria. Not just in Nahil. They're, they're also in Katanning. There's a community of them in Perth, and they they are yeah living in Katanning as well. But they, they, it's a it's a. I think there's 
maybe 12,000 Korean Australia, something like that right. um, in total. But yeah, yeah, they, they are a... I sat through a three-hour Korean language church service, uh, <laughs> which was very little English uh, when I was in Katanic. And just because when you're making TV, you've got to look... You, you, never, you never want just one shot to get out where it's just you looking bored at people enjoying something because it's so rude. It's yeah. so rude. But at the same time, it's so hard to be interested... When you literally can't understand anything, and it's church, as and well. it's churches like church is already quite boring. I grew up going to a lot of church services. I know they're quite boring. Yeah. Then it's in another language on top of that, and like, oh, anyway, they got a few shots of you looking interested, anyway. Yes, well, I, I maintained a smile throughout the whole thing, uh, and then I found out later on, I was like, of course they weren't shooting, me. of course they weren't me- taking pictures of me during that. Like, I'm not the interesting thing in that. They're just filming the church service, which is the interesting thing. <laughs> um, uh, there's, a, there's also we need to get you out to Gatton, uh, Lockyer Valley, big German community out there. Mm. Shane Webke, uh, descendant of uh, of the of the Lockyer Valley Germans, uh, and also up there um, in the Burnett, in you know northwest of Brisbane, obviously was where a lot of uh, Lutheran kind of uh, Scandinavians ended up. And uh, the great Sir Joe Bjorki-Peterson is a product of that, the peanut farmers up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. They Even though up... he was born in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's where a lot of the Scandinavians uh, kind of ended up and they uh, obviously became quite conservative Queenslanders and <laughs> took over the National Party and uh, <laughs> really built Queensland. So. <laughs> I think there's, a, there's something I'm really interested in doing because we haven't been to Tassie yet. I'd love to go to Tassie. I think there's like a, there's like a lot of Dutch communities in Tasmania I'd like to go to. There's like... Basque people as well, uh, who've congregated in uh, regional Victoria as well. Uh, no, regional Queensland, sorry, as well. Yeah. So um, I'd be interested to, uh, yeah. to go visit a lot more. And a, a lot of um, Slavic, Central Coast, New South Wales, and actually Cairns has a big Slavic community too. Huh. The Stefanovics. <laughs> Another Australian icon. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, Hing. Oh, thanks, dude. It's been such a pleasure. I uh, look forward to seeing season two. Looking forward to seeing your new tour. Yes. Yep. Talk to you guys soon.